0: Welcome to the Inside Data Centre podcast. I'm Andy Davis, and in this podcast, I will interview the people working in the data centre sector and tell their stories. If you are working in the DC sector or you are looking to work in the sector, then this is a podcast for you. Welcome to the Inside Data Centre podcast. Today, I'm joined by Richard Irwin, who's a Business Development Director for Mission Critical at Structures Home. Good afternoon, Richard.
1: Hi, Andy. How are you?
0: I'm well. Thanks very much. Thanks for joining us today. Looking forward. Oh, thank to it.
1: you for the invite. Was, uh, looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. Hopefully, we can uh, find out a bit about your career and get some advice out to the listeners. Do you want to just quickly start by giving a quick introduction? Obviously, who you are and, and what you're doing at the moment.
1: Yeah. Sure. No problem at all. So, uh, Richard Irwin, as you said, I'm the uh, business development director for Structured Tone here in the in the UK. Uh, so, uh, my role really is is as it says in the tin. So out there uh finding where the opportunities are for us as an organization to to build uh both in the in the mission critical uh arena but also across several other uh, sectors as well that structure tone uh, works in so you know structure tone as an organization is is us based you no know, a huge organization uh but the mission critical part is you know a key focus for us so you know we've we've delivered data centers right across the us from east coast to west coast uh and in europe as well so uh you know uh, lots of uh lots of opportunity and lots of experience within the group.
0: That's it. Yeah, definitely one of the leaders in the market, that's for sure. Um I just want to talk a bit about your career really. I noticed that you started off doing an electrical engineering degree in Dundee, Dundee University. Was engineering something you were always looking to get into?
1: Uh yeah, I suppose it was. Uh, so my background, you know, I grew up in uh, in Northern Ireland on a on a dairy farm and it was very quickly apparent to me I didn't want to milk cows for the rest of my life. So, uh, Quick,
0: quickly knew what you didn't want to do. <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly but you know I was always interested in, I think living on the farm there's, there's lots of opportunities to fix things that break uh, and I, I was always interested in how things worked and how things went together and and that engineering side of it so uh, you know I, I, I decided to do electrical engineering in, in Scotland and uh, to be honest with you it was a it was a degree with engineering and management, so there's a bit of a hybrid there, which uh, which was great because I discovered very quickly that to be an engineer you need a great deal of attention to detail and patience, and it's probably something I don't really have. I I, I love working things out, but that's the other bit wasn't really for me. But uh, but there was a really opportunity to look at the people side of it and that management piece, and uh, you know that really really kind of sparked my interest. So uh, so yeah. So engineering was was great. Uh, I then, from Dundee, I I moved into uh, into, uh, an organization, uh, again, an engineering-led organization, but really made uh, motion control systems for robotics, so a German company. Uh, I was brought in uh, initially as an internal technical support person, uh, but uh, the guy there, I think, very quickly realized that sales was probably my forte. I spent too much time talking to the clients about all sorts of stuff rather than doing the technical fixing of products so uh so yeah so that's kind of where i ended up in the in the sales arena uh, doing that that sort I of i think
0: sales thing. is that yeah sales is that sort of job isn't it i think we all uh, kind of i'm in a sales role i guess but we all uh, kind of have <laughs> have aspirations to do something else and then somebody sort of taps you on the shoulder and says have you thought about doing sales
1: definitely and it's a real skill in itself i think that you know the the Talking to people and finding out about people is, you know, I, I love that piece. You know, it's, great, it's great fun. So
0: Yeah, totally agree. And when did you first
1: get... get... So much better than looking at single-line drawings all day. I'm <laughs> <up>. <laughs> That's
0: it. Sorry to all the engineers listening. <laughs> um, when, when did you first get exposure to data centres?
1: So uh, I've listened to a few of your uh, other uh, contributors to this podcast, and a lot of people have said they've been lucky. I, I think my story is probably the luckiest one of, of them all. Uh, So I was working for a a Japanese company at the time who, again, was motion control and robotics in the UK. Uh, I I decided just, you know, as you do, contact recruitment and uh, consultant and see if there's anything else out there. And uh, I got a phone call from the recruiter to say, uh, so we've made a a bit of a mistake, Richard. Uh, We accidentally stapled your cover letter to the back of somebody else's CV and uh, sends it to a company and they really like you. So <laughs> would you like to come and interview with them? Uh, and the company at the time was uh, it was MGE or Merlin Duran UPS Systems. So uh, so I very quickly phoned a friend who was uh, working for a consultancy at the time and said, what's a UPS? You know, can you give me a bit of a heads up here and what's this company all about? I, I knew nothing about the the, the the solutions or the sectors of the products. Uh, did a bit of journeying up over a couple of weeks, went to the interview, and ended up uh, working for Merlin Duran selling UPS's. And uh, yeah, that was the introduction to the data centers because, at the time, I suppose when I joined, uh, it was really at, the, at no, the late '90s, early 2000s. Data centers were just sort of coming along. Uh, I joined uh, in what they called the, the enterprise or product sales team for, so going out and talking to consultants that were were building systems that required you know resilient power and it wasn't just data centers it was all sorts of things hospitals uh telecoms at the time you know power stations factories you know anything that just couldn't switch off uh but obviously the data center market at that time started to grow and more and more you know i spent time talking to to clients and consultants and uh various people that worked in that sector so i spent a lot of time working for british telecom so uh working with their, what they call their data centers and their telephone exchanges which, you know, up and down the country. So uh, I got a great knowledge of the UK by by going to every telephone exchange in pretty much every town. <laughs>
0: yeah, follow you around the country. That's it. No, and then um, obviously you moved on to a couple of the, I think you worked for Schneider, didn't you, for a while, and, and obviously ISG before you ended yeah. up where you are.
1: So the, the Schneider piece was, you know, I was very lucky to work for Schneider for, Nearly thirteen years with Schneider. Uh, no, Schneider went through an acquisition of a number of companies, and one of the companies that uh, was always sort of semi part Schneider was was Merlin or MGUPS. So we were we were brought into the Schneider Group, uh, and I, I was lucky enough in, in my career to move from being, you know, that that salesperson to you know, account manager for British Telecom globally, and then I ended up managing the sales team. Uh, really, again, still selling the large products into the, into the consultants and contractors. Uh, then I'm, I'm one of those people that I get bored quite quickly. So I'm always looking to see what's next, what's going on next. So uh, at the time, Schneider bought a company called APC or American Power Conversion, which were a you know, big US based uh, uh, UPS company and merged the two of us together. Uh, and at that time, they asked me to actually move out of product sales and into the into the service part of the business. So uh, I learned very quickly that product sales was much easier than service sales because you don't get the phone calls in the middle of the night from <laughs> yeah. a distraught FM person to say that their UPS has just blown up and everything's gone black. So but that was really, for me, a really good experience because I met lots of fantastic people on the actual operations side of the business. Uh, and. I think you form really good relationships when, you know, when somebody's really got their back against the wall, and you're able to go in and kind of help them, you know, whether it is get that that system back up and running again, or get those spare parts to site quickly, or whatever it is, you you build long term friendships, I suppose, because you've yeah. been there together, uh, and that was that was really good that that period of my career, uh, and then from there uh, I moved into actually into the IT side of our business, so. APC had a, a real uh, strong influence in selling to the IT channel. So, you know, the data center, you know, construction, and uh, we, all, we all build the bit that goes to the white space, but actually the racks and the IT and infrastructure and the power PDUs and that side. So, uh, you know, I get exposure to it, what is a huge market there as well uh, and understood how it kind of integrated into everything else. So, uh, so, you know, at Schneider, I was very lucky. I got a real rounding in that that data center world uh, as, as the different elements and how they fit together and how the different people work and everybody has got slightly different priorities as well. So it's, it's, it's getting that knowledge was good.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that's what's great about companies like that, isn't it? To give you that knowledge and exposure to the whole sort of the all round project. I'm always saying that to people at work for us. It's kind of, it's easy when you just work in the construction and the FM side to forget that it's an IT industry, you know, it's, yeah. you kind of get lost in your own little, little world
1: yeah who's who's the ultimate customer who's using this facility you're building and what their drivers are
0: exactly what's it actually doing yeah (laughs) yeah
1: exactly it's not just lots of flashing lights and black boxes
0: (laughs) it looks nice but what does it do that's yeah and Um, then obviously yeah yeah, after that went to ISG didn't you I
1: I did I I was at Schneider for 13 years uh and then I, I decided to take some time out have a bit of a sabbatical you know decide what to do next uh I, you know, Schneider offered me opportunities to travel, but really with circumstances at home, the young family, et cetera, we decided to stay in the UK. Uh and yeah, nine days into my sabbatical, I got a phone call from a, a guy I know who's working with ISG, uh, basically saying that we're we're setting up this engineering division in the UK uh to look at data centers and science and health and really any building that's got lots of you know services in it, you know. Would you be interested in coming in and having the chats? Uh, and so, so I went in, and again, knowing absolutely nothing about construction, <laughs> so, uh, managed to convince them that I was obviously the right person for the job. And uh, yeah, joined joined a construction company, which is a, yeah, a bit of a shock to the system after, after coming from a, a product sales organisation. So it's uh, definitely a, a different culture uh, and a, a completely different way of doing things. But uh, yeah, it was it was really good to see it from that perspective rather than selling products. You moved, you know, from my perspective, I, you know, you sold one UPS and then next week you sold another UPS and they look exactly the same. the role of a factory. You go into a construction company and you're actually, you're selling people, you're selling processes, you're selling structure. You know, it's, it's very different. You can't roll a, you know, you sell a, a project manager one week, you can't sell them again the next week.
0: <laughs> I certainly, no, I definitely can't do that. <laughs>
1: no, no, so, uh, so yeah, uh, ISG was great. We, we really, you know, we grew a business there. There was pedigree in delivering data centers, but mostly in, in Europe. So we really grew the UK organization. Uh, I, I spent a lot of time, again, my I suppose my persona, I like to go investigate and find things out and find new things. Uh, so I spent a lot of time in the first few years, not just in the data center world, but really looking at the, the science world, you know, the researchers, the labs, the universities, the healthcare uh, and finding out about you know, those markets as well. And actually, when you when you drill down into it, there's a lot of synergy between the DC world and, and those sectors. You know, there's a lot of resilience involved in it, lots of ME, lots of services that have to come together, complex services into a building. So how do you fit those together? How does it work? You know, where does the architect fit in? The you know, the ME leads, you know, how do you bring that team together? So I thought really interesting time for me as such Uh, and now more recently uh, joined StructureTone and I suppose the the key driver for joining StructureTone is really the the opportunity that's on our plate here. So a huge organisation in the US and really, you know, a bit of a sleeping giant in in Europe. So it's, it's, for me, it's it's going again, you know, we've got a team here, some really good people, really good engineers, really good construction people and it's about, you know, really growing that business and, and leveraging, you know the support we have and in, in in the US and also we've a great team in Ireland so it's, it's pulling it up together.
0: Yeah, which is a which would be no small task, no doubt. No, no
1: small task, <laughs> but you know, there'd be worse exciting, time. To do it. Yeah. The exciting market, challenge. Yeah. The market's busy. So uh, yeah.
0: Exactly that. And I think and like you say, you've got the product, haven't you? You've got the offering. You know, it's yeah. a it's an established brand in the market or in the sector. But yeah. It's a case of taking that to new to new avenues, which, from a sales perspective, for us, that's that's what we like, isn't it? You know, you've got the product, you know it's good, you know it can be successful. You've got to get out there and get it into a bigger market. Yeah, it's definitely it's about
1: yeah, it's those jigsaw pieces. They're all out there. You just have to go and find them and then put them together, <laughs> and hopefully they all they all go together. So it's yeah, no, it's, it's exciting times, and I think all of us in the the center sector. Then we're very lucky to be involved in them, and it's it's growing. It's been buoyant, you know, even right through the the challenges we've had over the last year. You know, the market's still there. If you were working in some other sectors, it'd be it'd be a very different tone to this podcast. <laughs>
0: yeah, I was quite lucky, quite fortunate from that perspective because I decided to start it before pandemic, and then uh, and then delayed it for three months while the, while I was working from home because I didn't want my children to to be a key member of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, might have brought something different to it.
0: That's it, yeah, probably more entertaining for some people. Um, but, yeah, and one thing, also another point I wanted to make was about the sort of business development and sales as a career in the industry, really, because I don't think it's probably highlighted enough that there is a career available. Like I said earlier, a lot of us kind of fall into it without want for a better phrase. But, you know, I think it's key for us to say that, you know, if you're an engineer but your strengths are in people or you, you enjoy the sales, there is a really – positive career in the industry
1: it definitely is and it is i don't know how you find it but i think it's one of the most difficult things to actually recruit for as well so you know if you're recruiting well, uh, i can uh, add on
0: that recruit recruitment consultants and, and our, as business owners we're notoriously bad at recruiting for our own companies which <laughs> says it says it all doesn't it
1: <laughs> well yeah you, you know as you said before you don't go to the university to do a business development or a sales course it, it doesn't exist no. you know it's uh it's you know for me, the route was via engineering, and I think it's it has been good because I, I joked before about single line drawings i'm able to read a single line drawing no i i have that ability to be able to talk you know at a relatively technical level not not in depth and never be a designer but having that that ability really does help, but you need you need people from all in all sectors and you know ultimately we we all have to work together while we're in you know, the data center sector, the healthcare sector. It's about bringing teams together and bringing people together. And I see a big part of the sales role, the BD role, is, is actually enabling those relationships and enabling those connections, you know, not just for the company you work for, but for others as well. You know, I spend, I get phone calls all the time from people kind of going, do you, do you know such and such? And I say, yes, I do. Could you make an introduction? Yes, I can. So, and, and just facilitating those those uh, those connections in the industry, which ultimately, They'll you know, produce uh, produce those results. Those connections lead to projects. Those projects lead to you know great buildings that we're all part of and a, a thriving sector. So uh, so yeah, no, I, I would definitely encourage anybody into it, uh, especially those people that don't mind just picking up the telephone and having a chat. And you know, my yeah. wife yeah. often says to me, "What have you done all day?" And I like "You know, what? I just talk to people." <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's always saying no, isn't it? I don't really know what I've done today, but I know I spoke to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah.
1: And the other great thing about it is until recently, it quite often involved lunches and drinking. So I'm also quite passionate about those two things as well. So <laughs> yeah,
0: That's definitely something I'm looking forward to. Again, I was thinking to myself earlier, like, I, I, this, you know, team Zoom calls are great. And I've, it's a great opportunity for, you know, for us to just jump on a call for an hour. But I'm very much looking forward to getting out there again and, you know, sitting down and having a coffee or a beer with people.
1: Definitely. That's, that's, that's what makes it. That's what the pleasure comes from I think we've all missed that and I you know I've made a lot of friends in this industry I think and it's actually that you miss your friends uh, whether they're in the office or the people you work with and yeah I think we'll all be keen to get back out and see our friends again <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly no I couldn't agree more I say okay, keep thinking about it I'm kind of trying to put it to the back of my mind <laughs> Well, another thing I want to talk to you about is obviously just kind of the industry as a whole. And obviously we touched on it earlier, like how busy the last you know, 12 months or 18 months have been. How are you finding the market from a client perspective? Are their demands increasing or are they different? You know, what, what's happening out there at the moment? So uh,
1: I think from, from my perspective, you know, over the last... Eighteen months. There was a there was a bit of a pause, I suppose, when you know when it first the, the whole COVID thing first started. But it, the pause didn't last long. Yeah, in the industry, you know, I think most construction sites, you know, structure toll included, you know, we we had that pause while we assessed, you know, how we how we could be COVID compliant. You know, what the clients were really looking for, and I, and I would say that the clients that we work with have all been very, you know, very understanding and and very cognizant of the challenges and really come together, join the party to, to come up with those solutions. So in terms of work on site, it's continued. Uh, and I think it's continued because, you know, the demand for, for that service that our buildings provide is, is growing exponentially. You know, there's lots of, lots of numbers, huge numbers out there about the amount of data that started flowing through various internet exchanges when, when the whole COVID crisis kicked off and we all moved to Zoom and Google classrooms and everything else. Uh, so that's not changed. I think from uh from the demand perspective, we, we still see the market growing, but you as a business, you know, whether a construction company or a PM or a QS or an architect, it's about being agile and being able to follow that customer as well and follow that customer's demand. Cause you know the, the thing I get every, you know, and when we run a sales meeting is a certainty of dates, you know, when's the tender gonna come out, you know. When are we going to start on the site? When are we going to, you know what's the duration of the program? what's it going to look like? And there is there is a fluidity there all the time because although things are you know big demand, things shift, things move, and keeping an eye on that is is, is huge. So I think we've seen some projects in some regions maybe slow slightly for whatever reason, but then in other regions it's really accelerated. You know our our Irish team at the moment are absolutely flat out. you know they're they're building away. Uh, in the UK, we've, you know, we've got a number of projects on site at the minute and, and one's in the pipeline. Uh, but then you look across Europe, I think, you know, moving into the, the new countries, the new regions, if you're agile and brave and go after those, then there's definitely opportunity. But uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, a dynamic market, I would say. And uh, I think you have to be agile enough to, to do that. And I think one of the challenges I have with my American counterparts is also trying to explain what Europe looks like. sometimes i
0: had that that very conversation yesterday with a u.s client actually about the you know trying to get the concept that it was the other way around it was more like you know the u.s is like europe you know like i'm talking to you about a state that's like me talking to you about a country in europe (laughs) it is hard to grasp when you're dealing with both regions quite regularly it's quite easy to kind of lose track of of how big the US is or how big Europe is which way you look at it.
1: And they speak different languages here as well. So that's the other Yeah,
0: part. so different languages, different laws. Yeah, everything's exactly. different. Well, but
1: I think we're also seeing from clients, you know, it's changing slightly in those demands, you know, in terms of, especially the larger clients who are building repeat, uh, repeat buildings, uh, you know, in the UK or wherever, they're really starting to look for those companies that can deliver repeat repeatability in terms of their their delivery looking for more partnership which is quite nice as well so it's you know it's it's driven by certainty but certainty of you know delivering on time and on on cost as as much as possible obviously there's always design changes as we go through these things but uh uh, and we're seeing more and more of of those organizations kind kind of coming to us and looking at. And what is your capability in the US? What is your capability in Ireland? What can you do in the UK? And where can you kind of join that all up together to give that consistency of service? So uh, so that's something that we're seeing. And I think that's just a testament to the market maturing, probably. So there's not so many companies just building one-off DCs anymore.
0: No, exactly. I totally agree. And that's what we're seeing as well from uh, a lot of the clients we work with, we Getting repeat business in diff- in new geographies. So yeah. they secure a project in Austria, they then secure one in Switzerland, they then secure one in Norway or UK, etc. It doesn't matter where it is, but yeah, definitely, I think the the, the main clients at the end, you know, the, the, the bigger cloud providers and the like, are now looking for that partnership and that product that is repeatable and repeatable in quite short time frames as well.
1: Yeah, the, the timeframes always get shorter. They never <laughs> get longer, do they? So. Uh... And that's something I think, you know, both the ISG and here, it's it's about for me, it's about building those relationships with the clients and with the design teams, so you get early engagement from the contractor point of view because you know, we do, you know, we we kind of pull it all together. You know, we pull those different disciplines together. We you know, from a GC, you have to understand how how it works in the ground, how the MEP works, how the commissioning works, and bring that all together, and then. Nearly manage expectations because I think sometimes you sort of see you know a lead time for a you know the pre-com period, then you're on site and then you're delivering. You kind of go, that's you know it doesn't matter how much you know how much you pray (laughs) and the best, it's going to take a certain length of time to build a data center. Yeah, and i
0: think maybe i think covid maybe helped like you were saying earlier about the more of the partnership approach now i think there's more of a real a realism around that you know like yes we can build them quickly but we can build them to a time it's not it's not just something that can get faster and faster and faster you know if you want the if you want the quality and you want the the delivery then you need to let us work to set time scales
1: yes yeah but also working in, in a really strong partnership with the, the MEP consultants, the structural guys, the architects, so that during that design phase, the actual buildability pieces included as well. You know, if, if you sequence it in a certain way or design it in a certain way, then it, it helps us in terms of our sequence when we come to build. Maybe you can start building the shed at one end and fit out the MEP as you move down so you're not building the whole shed and then starting the MEP fit out. You know, things like that just... You know, it may be, it may not be completely, you know, revolutionary, but little thought processes like that make a big difference to when you actually get on site and you know you're standing in a field about to put the first pile in, and you know you've only got twelve months to finish this job, so, or faster if possible.
0: Yeah. And so, it's uh, snowing if you're in Scandinavia. <laughs> it's
1: snowing, or yeah, or it's flooded if you're in Holland, or. Yeah. <laughs>
0: exactly there's always a problem somewhere but yeah no i think that's that's an important point though i think the the industry has changed i think massively in the last 12 months i think um, everyone seems to be working a lot closer together i'm seeing more involvement from architects more involvement from the consultants and we work with all levels from you know from the consultants and the architects up to the end clients and they do seem to be a lot more collaborative now than they were i don't know 18 months two years ago no,
1: hundred percent, and that that flows down to the, the equipment suppliers as well. The long lead time items, or the jennies, you know, the big pieces of switchgear, transformers, is you know, even to the higher end the piling rigs, you know, sort of, you know, if you can you know, release orders early for some of those packages, uh, so they take them out of the critical path. You know, it makes a huge difference to to all of us in terms of that that uh, build speed as such. So, uh, so yeah, that integration and bringing those people together, and I think. You know as the market has matured, there's, there's more collaboration, less suspicion. that we're all trying to get one over in each other, maybe. Uh, uh, and, and working together to, to deliver that certainty, because I think you know ultimately we go back to those uh, the conversation at the beginning around I.t the i.T. guys are ultimately driving this demand because they, they're forecasting you know how many servers, how many pieces of equipment they need to deploy at a certain time, so and we're, we're just moving forward to to hit their expectations, so if we can deliver that certainty uh it's it, it makes life a lot easier for for our clients who are the construction people in those businesses to meet their clients demand through the it guys so uh and, and and the chain goes on so we're we're a small cog in a much bigger <laughs> ecosystem so
0: exactly and it doesn't look like the demand's going anywhere either i think you know most people i talk to the demand's going to increase even i even if you look at the data usage like we touched on last time when Everyone went. Everyone was in lockdown in March, April last year, and the data flew up. It was then pretty steady for the year. Yeah. It's not. It's not dropped, which gives you an idea of what level we're at now. And then you then you add into it, you know, the advances in e-commerce, electric cars, everything that's coming, five G, IoT, everything that's added into it. I think the next two three years are going to be quite interesting from a growth perspective.
1: No, hundred percent. I think you know we've seen. Still through my career in data centers, we've seen the real the design of data centers change, location of where data centers are built change, the size of the data centers. You know, once upon a time, a uh, you know three or four megawatt was considered quite big. Now it's like a hall. Yeah, uh,
0: exactly. You're uh, in your garden now, don't you? Yeah,
1: uh, <laughs> and but we're seeing a bit of a reverse of that as well. We're seeing you know the hyperscalers. That now I've been involved in building across Europe, you know, huge data centers, and now we're seeing you know more regional data centers coming back into into cities. Those those tier two cities having demands because of latency issues or data sovereignty issues. Uh, So I think as an industry, we need to be agile uh, in terms of what we can deliver. And I know at at StructureTelmore very much, we look at the the type of scheme, the type of people, you know, if if, if it's a huge new build, you need one sort of discipline. Or if you're going into an existing building, which is 20 years old, that you have to refresh, but yet keep it running at the same time, it's a very different mindset. So, So having those... I think understanding is a big part of it. If you understand what the deliverables are, then you can start to match the right resource around it, and that's that's the trick. So uh, for us, is you know taking time to understand and uh, I suppose being let in sometimes by the the clients to you know, really get a, you know, understand what their drivers are and where they need to be is is that's my job. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and I
0: totally I totally agree, and I I really understand what you're saying because it's exactly the same for me. It's kind of the more you can give me, the more information you can give me, the more likely I am to deliver you the right person, which is exactly what you're saying, isn't it? They go, oh, let well, us into yeah. your business, tell us what you want, give us everything, and we will produce a, a building or a product to match your requirements. Yeah. But if you don't know it, <laughs> it's oh, very yeah. hard It's very hard to match it.
1: Yeah, the, the, the thing that always, you know, sometimes it's nice and sometimes it's really frustrating is you get that that bluebird that comes in from nowhere, that call from somebody saying, you know, we've got a Forty megawatt data center. Do you want to tender? And you're like, well, where is it? And you know, when is it? No, it's next week. All right? Really? Well, <laughs> well I'll, I'll need to go and you know, or well, that that individual that's making the call must know. You don't have a team of people just sitting there waiting. You know, that doesn't happen. So you have to scrabble around to find a team. So if they can give you that six month or even twelve month look ahead, we can start to line people up, get the right resource, plan, speak to people like yourself about who's in the industry. You know, uh, and really work with them in terms of getting the right team in place and understanding what processes what you know if it's in a different country what regulations we need to meet etc cetera, etc cetera. so that's you know and that's uh, that partnership is that's what really makes a difference for all of us and that brings certainty in terms of when we cost and program a job then when we've got that visibility you can have more certainty which is what we're all after i think so uh so i think it's you know I think we really care what we do, you know, what we do in our people. So we we need to take the time to understand and to care enough that we deliver a good project. You know, saying no, I can't remember who another podcast I listened to said it's a really difficult word in our industry, but sometimes it's, it's the right word. Yeah. If you don't have the team or you don't have that capability in that region at that moment in time, sometimes it's better to say no rather than make everybody's life (laughs) a nightmare for the next two years. So,
0: and i think that's part of part of problem with growth isn't it and that's what i see at the moment you see a lot of new companies coming into the market and you do question the you know the deliverability if that's a word of these clients you know yes you can deliver a project in london but can you deliver that project in oslo you know i know or or wherever it is and obviously you you go into it with the right for the right reasons i'm sure but the practicalities and the reality behind it are very different. And sometimes you do see companies that sort of come unstuck as a result of doing exactly that, taking it on because they want to rather than they should do.
1: Yeah. And even, even in London, I would suggest, you know I, I don't know about you, but the number of calls I've had from various organizations going, the data De- center industry is really busy. Can you tell us how to get into it, please? And you're like, oh, right, okay, here we go. <laughs> so, And you yeah. go the rigmarole of, you know, it, it is really busy. But you do need that specialist knowledge, and you know some skills are transferable, but it's it's not something you're just going to walk into.
0: And it's so. also not something you can go and acquire very easily. No, you know, the best people and the people with that experience are a lot of them are in the positions they're quite happy with. I think that's because yeah, yeah. because you've been in in it for quite a while and they're established in the market. And equally, they want to work for a company that is ingrained in the market. The not concept cool. of us, you know, going into what could be a startup. division is not for many people.
1: No. I and mean, we obviously, you know, we've seen companies try, try it and come in here and maybe you know, try it for two couple of years and then just kind of disappear off again. So it's, although uh, it's really busy, it's probably, we're, <laughs> we're a tight knit, knit of people. <laughs> we I always think, you
0: know, you want to try and get into a market before it's busy, don't you? That's the way yeah. I always look at it. You know, we, mm-hmm. we've been doing data centers for sort of here for about three or four years. I've been doing it on and off for about 15 years. And, you gain those contacts in the industry and that reputation in the industry. And that's what you build your, your experience on and your knowledge on. And if someone picks the phone up to you and asks you a question, which they will do because you're seen as someone in the industry, you know the answer. Yeah. You don't have to go away and oh, let me come back to you. I'll research it and come back. You know, you you know, pretty quickly.
1: No, it's, a find very, out. it's a very good point. And I think everybody, you know, everybody's trying to do their best and, you know, uh, they want to work with people they like as well, you know, enjoy working with and that's a big part of it. And, you know, you, yeah, we, as as human beings, we we tend to flock to the people we associate with and trust. So uh, it's it's building that trust. And, you know, I said, I've been in the industry for many years and I, I've dipped out of it to go and do other things and come back. And you see the same, you know, the same people growing, you knowing their positions and gaining more responsibility. But those people have huge amounts of experience. And, you know, being in the trenches probably when things haven't been going particularly well, you know, the...
0: You learn a lot of those times, don't you? That's when you, that's when you learn, I think, when when you're in the trenches.
1: Yeah, 100%, yeah. And yeah.
0: a lot of people I speak to, I was, I was doing one of these yesterday and, um, you know, they've been in the industry for I think it's like 45 years and it's, it's easy to think, I was saying when I did it that I think some people genuinely think that a data center's only been around for a couple of years. I think they think they're this new product that's just appeared since covid you know it's just oh. all of a sudden everyone but it's because no one talked about it for, for a long no, time I, I think
1: yeah that's what i suppose that's one of the things i've always felt a little bit frustrated about the data center industry you know the actual ability to market and talk about what we do has has always been really challenging because you know everybody's signed up to help ndas you finish a project you can't take pictures of it you know you can't <laughs> you can't talk about it and it, it's i think we're a as an, an industry or a sector, you know we're, we're a victim of our own making there to an extent that you know bringing new people into the sector, people just don't know about it. You know, I, I I'm sure probably like you, you, you go to you're out for an evening. Somebody says, "What are you doing?" and so they're working in the data center industry, and there's just this glazed expression comes upon them. You move on. Somebody's a doctor, and they go, all right, to we'll talk about what you do. <laughs> relate to it, but you know, actually, the data center industry is, is well, I find it hugely exciting. Maybe I'm a bit of a
0: geek. No, no, I agree. I do. You know, I've recruited in a number of industries and I find it very exciting, so to speak. And I do enjoy it. And I've but I think a lot of that comes from the passion of the people within it. Yeah. And that's that is one reason why I, I wanted to do this, was because I think there's a lot of people in this sector that really want to help the brand and they are really passionate about it. But yeah. exactly what you said, it's just the industry's been a bit hidden and it has to be. Everyone understands that, but there's also a lot we can do to publicize it and i guess that's one positive that comes out of covid isn't it it's been publicized by covid as a result yeah,
1: yeah. people are kind of understanding what the cloud really means it's not just you know, up in the ether it's actually been stored somewhere there's there's people working in it you know i've been some of the facilities i've been involved with and teams building and seeing are absolutely amazing for their sheer size and the technology that goes into them and uh definitely i think the now you look across the construction industry you now i touch upon commercial office and refurb in the city and you know the technology the data center industry is applying in terms of you know off-site manufacturing and all those sort of things are are you know light years ahead of some of the other sectors which is great and it can kind of flow down into the other parts of the, the world as well and I, I think you know we we should be open to, to to look into those other sectors where we can learn from as well i know when i spent time in the healthcare sector. We did a lot of of you know, uh, VR in terms of yeah. designing theaters that the doctors could to- do beforehand.
0: Well, yeah, I was talking to a client. There's a client that I I can't say who they are, but there's a, cli- a client <laughs> that I that I talk with who are who are doing exactly that. VR in in data centers and you know, for one of the major cloud providers and producing these amazing, you know, virtual reality videos I guess before the construction phase and you know, the yeah the tech that's being used is again is 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 amazing but they need to talk about it.
1: They do, yeah. And it is great tech, you know, right from the design, you know, to construction through to the FM piece and how it all kind of comes together, you know, onto the onto the, the BIM platforms. Uh it's yeah. It's great to be part of. I'm not technically savvy enough to explain it. That's I've got people in our organisation much smarter than me to do that. But yeah, it's it, it, it's a great sector, and also the clients. You know, look at the you know, the tech giants we work with, the largest companies in the world. You know, and been having that on your CV, even though you have to write, you know, confidential <laughs> clients.
0: <laughs> you having can, it on your CV, but not on your CV.
1: exactly you know, that that opportunity, and I think from my. You know, my role, having the opportunity to travel out to meet these guys in the US or wherever they're based in Asia and see them and understand what you know, the scope of what they're doing, you know, it's, it's a fantastic opportunity. So, uh, no,
0: Definitely. I think the industry's got so much to offer and I, I really do think that the exposure is increasing and I'm hoping that, you know, the younger generation and, and people in other industries will move over to it and kind of help it grow further.
1: Yeah. I think that's a big challenge for us all is you know how we market ourselves and attract those, you know, those uh the next generation of engineers or salespeople or QSs or whatever it would be will be into our sector. And you know, the only people that are gonna do it is, is us collectively doing that. So I know at uh, you know structure tone, we're we're very you know, we're very ambitious in terms of bringing those those younger people through and giving them exposure as well, you know it's you know from a networking point of view i was discussing this day that you know very much we we tend to network at that senior level because yeah. we know everybody but there's a whole generation below us that we need to encourage that, to go out and network with their peers as well yeah uh, that's
0: what i was I, I, on one of these i was talking to a grad jack harris and you know yeah. we were talking about the the need for like a young people's network you know a young person's network which is again it's one of those things you know we we can do when we can all have a beer again but getting all the young minds together is something that I don't, wouldn't be very hard to implement and something oh, yeah, that, we should, you know, that we
1: should definitely do. And that's all people will reap the benefits as well. So.
0: <laughs> we can, we can go home early and leave, <laughs>
1: leave, yeah, 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 leave, yeah. Them, leave
0: them to network into the early hours.
1: Exactly. So no, that's something we're quite passionate about. And I know, you know we're, we're looking at an initiative within our organization to do that and reaching out to, you know, the, the companies we work with uh, to, to, I suppose, instilling in these this generation the importance of building your network and building those connections for your career and ultimately so what's that uh...
0: yeah definitely i think it's really important anyway probably should uh, wrap this one up it's been a <laughs> it's been a good chat i think we've got some really good points out there's just one question i ask everybody before we close up but if you could give one piece of advice to anyone looking to work in the industry what would it be
1: so uh, the piece of advice I would give is is don't be afraid to ask questions. You know, which, I, is, a, I, which is
0: a common a common one, and I totally agree with.
1: I, I spend my life, you know, asking questions because generally I don't understand and I want to find out. And so, you know, don't leave the room if you don't understand. So I'll take the time and ask the question. And I would say I can't think of an instance where somebody hasn't taken the time to help me and explain it. So uh, yeah, uh, quick- definitely.
0: Totally agree as well. And, I, and like I always say, I think everybody I speak to is really open to people asking them questions as well. You've touched on it a few times, you know, people ring you up and ask you a question and you, you tell them the answer. I think the industry is really open to helping people. You just yep. need to reach out and actually ask the questions.
1: Yeah, yeah. But don't, you know, don't put barriers up, you know, encourage that, whatever whatever uh, discipline you're in, you know, encourage those, those individuals to keep being inquisitive.
0: Definitely. Excellent. Thanks for your time. Really enjoyed that conversation. No, thank you,
1: Andy. Appreciate it. So uh, it was fun. Ho-
0: yeah, that's it. And hopefully we'll we'll catch up again soon.
1: Definitely. Take care.
0: Cheers, Richard. Thank you. Cheers.